all praise his name this morning. All the world's going to do it. What about us? Amen. Let's just give him praise in the depths of our heart. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. You are the omnipotent, the ever-present. Oh God, you're the one that is here today and we want to worship you from the depths of our hearts. We want to express to you, Lord, your great name is high and lifted up. Today we lift up the name of Jesus over every affliction and over every problem and over every trouble, even over the sicknesses, Lord, that we have prayed about this morning to the hospital room there in Shreveport. Lord, to the home down in Mania, over in Uganda, down in South Africa, around the world where they're listening in. I pray, oh God, today, let them lift up that name. There's no name like Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. Every demon has to flee. Every sickness has to leave. And we have been commissioned to take that name into all the world. And we are part of that name, for we have taken it on, Lord. Today I ask your blessings upon your people. Your anointing from your word, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you'll speak to us. Open up the, our hearts, Lord, to receive from you today. It's in the name of Jesus we are asking for your blessings as we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. We got some young people today. We have Elijah Malachi Pruitt, Mariah Conroy that are going to be baptized, taking on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Amen. Praise the Lord. The only name given among men whereby you might be saved. There's no salvation in any other name. So if you want to be saved, you got to take on the name of Jesus. Amen. He commissioned us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize those in the name not names, not titles, name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. And there's only one name that qualifies that was the embodiment of all of that. For Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. We want to welcome back Brother Aaron. God bless you, Brother Aaron. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. We missed you. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, he, he, good reports from the meetings where he's been and 
We're thankful to the Lord for that. God is a God rich in mercy. Brother Joe is away ministering, so remember him, maybe doing a little bit of, you know, he's out in Arizona, so I may be out doing a little sightseeing with the family or whatever today, but, you know, we're thankful for the ministry team that we have, and we want you to keep us in prayer that the Lord will speak to hearts and lives. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we want to thank the musicians. You have done an incredible job today. Amen. Every one of our singers, special singers, have got laryngitis, so nobody sang today, and uh, God forgive them for that. So, you know, and um, may, uh, may he heal them really quickly. Amen. I tell you what, um, if I'd go on strike like that, what would you do to me? So, um, anyway, I miss it when you, when you don't sing, and um, so... I uh, am counting on you to add your lick of fire to every service. Amen. So that was a nice way to say, of me saying, you better get up here and sing. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We're thankful to the Lord for you. I was with Brother Kenneth this morning, Sister Loretta. Um, I drove up to Shreveport before coming to church. And he's, um, you know, really low. His body's rejecting um, uh, the the blood plasma or whatever they're giving him, the, you know, to uh, to to try to help him. You know, he's been through a lot of different battles, and I wouldn't count him out. I'll tell you that, I wouldn't count him out. I think about five years ago, they called the family in, said he was dying, and and Brian came all the way from Mon- Montana to to be here, and you know, they had given him up, given up. And I preached a sermon that morning on, the, on the, the manifested sons of God and our a place and authority and, uh, as, as sons of God. And, and uh, after I did, well, I said to, I walked back and said to the ministry team, um, you know, before we go to lunch, we're going to the hospital. We're going to go and have prayer for Brother Kenneth. I said, I have to put into, into action what I just preached. You know, you, you just can't go and preach something and, and uh, let it just, you know, be without its works. So we went and applied that, went in there, and I asked Brother Kenneth, I'll never forget. I said, what do you want me to do? And, he, you know, what is it you want? He said, huh, October meetings are coming up this week. I want to be in the services. I said, well, that's not too hard for God. So, you know, they dismissed him on Wednesday, and he was there Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday night and Sunday morning. And, you know, he returned back to work. And, and you know, you just can't keep a good man down. Amen. And so... You know, sometimes it is graduation time and God takes them into another dimension, but he heals all diseases. So we, we have every bit of confidence where he's going if the Lord would take him home. But, you know, if God still has a purpose for him here, we, we'd sure love for him to stay here a little longer. You know, I, I, I got to, you know, he's my first cousin. And, and so I got another I love you out of you this morning and, and uh, out of him and, and, um, you know, it was a special moment in time. We had a word of prayer with him. So we just believe, that's all. Yeah. Commit it to God, put him in his hands. 
Amen. The, the work, you know, it's, we can't heal anybody, so the work is the Lord's. So we look to him. But we know what God is capable of doing. We know that he, like the baby's name, he exists. And we're united together in believing, amen, that he is here in the power of his resurrection this morning, able to do exceeding abundantly above that which we're able to think or ask according to the power that worketh within us, and that power is the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we have and possess. So God bless you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. And you can have your seats. God bless you. As we just reflect on these words this morning, we're going to speak on the renewed mind. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to its thinking. Quit imitating the ideals and the opinion of the culture around you. You see, we're, we're really not Americans. Our citizenship is of heaven. Neither are we just, uh, you know, of, of a white culture or Afro-American culture and of their opinion or their beliefs. As Christians, we cannot imitate them. We have been inwardly transformed and we have a new mindset. So there's a, a theme that comes uh, today. It's going to be on renewing. And of course, there's a lot of things of being renewing. So as you, another translation would say of this, and I think it's good, it says, uh, stop imitating the ideals and concepts of what pleases the world and its opinion of the, of the culture around you. But be you inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will so you can have an abundant life, one that is satisfying and perfect in his eyes. If anything, we want a testimony, we please God. That was Enoch. And we believe that we're living in a day and a time like Enoch. Now, like Abraham and Sarah that we have been preaching about, I didn't read from there this morning, but of course, if I would have taken a text from there, I would have read you of where that God appeared to them and, and he would be, he would be uh, giving them the revelation of mysteries. He said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I do? And so he would unveil his plans and his thoughts of what he had for them. And they both had to have a renewed mind in order to receive the revelation of the promised son because they were both up in years. Not just up in years. One was 90 and the other was 100. But not only did Sarah laugh, and we've talked about that, but when she heard of, the, of, of this promise, but Abraham, when God told him, he also fell on his face and laughed and implored God to allow Ishmael to live before him, or in other words, to be the, pro, the son of the promise. You know, let him do it. And, and no doubt he had a, a lot of investment in this boy and whatever and could not imagine even, uh, even believing for a child out of Sarah who is 90 and he's 100 years old. But now here at this point, we find that Abraham and Sarah had arrived at a position of power and authority as a 
head of a new race. This is what God was doing, positioning them as the head of a new race. And Sarah in this moment was being restored uh, to her position as the queen mother of the new race. And Abraham and especially Sarah had to have a change of heart and mind or a new mindset. You know, she had to have a, a, a revolution in her thinking and it had to be changed. And, the, and God had to change the way they saw themselves because they saw themselves as too unable, too, too old, too feeble, you know, impossible, all of this. And, and so they, God would have to change the way they saw themselves. And I want to say to you today, that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to change the way you see yourself, where you see yourself as God sees you. And you see um, in this that God had elevated Abraham and Sarah actually to a high and lofty position. And this position was a position of friend. The Bible said in James 2.23 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Actually, there are three places in the Bible that it refers to Abraham as God's friend. Friend is a position. It's a relationship. And God is the one that called him his friend. And, and of course, he begins to operate as a friend of God. Notice he is not just told, you're a friend of God, but now he assumes or takes that position as a friend of God who be, began to intercede for the sins of Sodom for the sake of Lot. As the Bible said in, in John 15, 13, and I, wanna, I want you to captivate this scripture this morning in your thinking and take possession of it. Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And remember, this is what Jesus did for you. No greater love than this. You, you want to talk about love? This is the greatest love that could ever be given to any person. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all that you have heard of my Father I have made known to you. So notice that this is someone that is a friend, not a servant. A servant isn't told what's going to happen. He just told, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. Uh, but he, it, nothing's explained to him. He doesn't have even the, the reason or the opportunity to ask why or to offer a better way. He just does what he's told to do. But as a friend, notice this, a friend, he said, is one that, Everything that I've heard of my father, I've told you. This is a friend. A friend of Jesus is where he imparts to you the mystery truths, the revelations of God. Notice he said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go forth and bring fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. So you didn't choose him as a friend. You see, 
if I chose one of you as my friend, well, you know, that, that is something that I'm choosing, you know. And I, I, I say, well, you know, I, I want to be friends with Aaron here. I, I'm going to choose him to be my friend. But you see, if he doesn't choose me, there's really no friendship. Amen. So I want to get this to you. I mean, everybody wants to choose Jesus. Oh, he's my friend. God is my friend. But this is one God, when God said, that's my friend. And the reason I'm showing you that he's my friend, I hadn't hid nothing from him. I've revealed to him the end time plan. I've given him revelation I don't give others. There are servants of mine that will wind up through tribulation and so I throw judgment and save people on the other side, but that ain't you. I have chosen you as a friend. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you to go and bring forth fruit. Do you know you are ordained then to bring forth the product of that friendship? Amen. Absolutely right. That your fruit should remain and whatever you ask of the Father, I'll do it. That he may give it to you. So now, again, you see a lot of times with a friend, you'll try to, you know, everybody wants to chum with the rich and the famous. And, well, that's my friend. You know, that's, that's my friend. You know, I, I'm friends with so-and-so and so they name drop. Amen. They name drop. But in this... Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And here's the proof of my choosing. Amen. Is I've revealed to you what was hidden from others. I'm going to show you my end time plan. I'm going to break the mystery. I'm going to take the seals off the book. I'm going to show you the plan for your life. This is what I'm going to do. And this is a proof. You're really my friend. Amen, because you've been handpicked, handpicked, selected, elected, chosen. Amen, but you know, the difference between you and a servant is the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends because everything I heard from my father, I've told you. So now, you see, a friend of God is one he reveals the secrets to. And this is different from a servant that's told just what to do. So Abraham, God showed Abraham his friends the plan for his life and his plans for Sodom. He would say, even the world you're living in, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to it. You know, again, I I can't hide from Abraham what I'm going to do. He's my friend. And Abraham wanted to make sure that his nephew Lot was included in redemption plans. And he began to implore God as a friend to spare Sodom for the sake of 50 or 40 or 30 or 20 or 10. I'm going to take one service preaching the power of an innocence. Because again, this is shown there in this relationship. I write to come before the throne of grace. This realization of his position as a friend of God gave him the leverage that he needed to intercede. 
Remember in the Bible, even Jesus showed relationships. And he said, um, you know, when, when um, it's night and, and a man receives a visitor and he doesn't have anything in the house to feed, so he'll go to his friend and say, lend me some loaves, give me some food for my others. And he, and he said, well, I'm in my bed. My children are all around me. We're all asleep. You're disturbing us. But he said, because he's his friend. He will get up and give him what he needs. And Jesus would relate this to himself that you, you, know, you cannot inconvenience me. Amen. You can't ask too much. Amen. You cannot come and I will just say, no, I'm too busy for you. You're my friend. You see, it's a relationship. And this relationship came by his choosing. He chose you. You did not choose him. Sure, he's rich and famous. He owns it all. Everybody wants to say, I'm, I'm a friend of his. That's my friend. That's my friend. But let me tell you, this is one he says of you. This is my friends. And my friends, I tell them what's going to happen. I let them in on the secret now, in Christ the mystery, Brother Branham said this, the new birth is Christ, is a revelation. Christ has revealed to you this great mystery, and that's the new birth. So actually, the new birth is a revelation of the mystery of God's choosing you. And he said, now, what are you going to do when all of that group gets together where the revelation is perfectly in harmony and God expressing it through his word by the same actions and the, the same things that he did, making the word manifest? Oh, if the church only knew its position, it will one day. Then the rapture will go when it knows what it is. So you, again, you know, it's kind of like we spoke about a couple of Sundays ago or three about, and I mentioned the ten cow bride, this shy, shy and backward girl whose, whose thoughts about herself would not allow her to show her potential. But because of the bride price, she saw herself as valuable. Hallelujah. I want you to think of this. A friend lays down his life. This is what he does for a friend. The bride price. He gave it all. Are you with me? Amen. So you see, he wants you to see your value and your worth. Satan wants to take his, his job as a thief is to rob and to kill and destroy. You see, that's his job. He's a thief. That's a thief. A friend is a restorer. Amen. Amen. Now, so I want you to think of this as we go along because I, I want you to see, I want you to see yourself as one that God is renewing in mind, giving a new mindset. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about your relationship between you and God. Well, you know, but God hears the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. And, and I'm, not too, I'm not too good, Brother Tim. I, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've stumbled along the way. That, that's not it at all. Amen. The blood is what covers you. Remember, because the friend laid down his life for you. Because the blood covers you. 
amen, that nothing can separate you from his love. So therefore, you can pray the effectual fervent prayer. You're the only ones that can really do it because you are the friend that can go to him and you can never inconvenience him. Is somebody with me? Amen. So you're a new creature in Christ. You're not of the, you're not of the old mindset or the old thinking or the culture of this world. But you are now a new creature, so you don't think like they do. Hello. Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, how many is in Christ this morning? He is a new creature. How can you be a new creature without being a new creation? So then he says, the old things are passed away. Your mindset, the way that you was, what you thought, the way, you know, your desires, your, your leniency toward the old culture of, the, of your past sinful life. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation restoration to whip God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation so our message is one that reconciles you or brings you back to God Amen. That brings a restoration. That brings this renewing that we're talking about. That makes a new creation out of you. That the old mindset is gone. Amen. That, that's, why, that's why a Christian will never willfully sin because he has no desires to sin. Because he, has, he is now of a different mindset. The things he used to do, he does them no more. You can't even tempt him with them because there's no desire for them anymore. Notice, and now he says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though Christ, God did beseech us, you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. This is going to fit right in my intercessory message. You see, we pray we pray you in Christ's stead. Notice, taking the position of Christ himself. We're interceding for you that you be reconciled to God. Amen. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. The sinless one became sin. Took it to hell with him. Come on, church. Amen. Took your punishment on the cross that you deserve. You got to believe this. Amen. This is a renewed mind. You cannot keep going under the shadows of the past. Amen. Look at the light of your future. Notice here he said he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Now, Brother Branham talks about faith and how to appropriate faith and how to use it. And it all, it all begins with the proper mindset. He will even tell us um, that just the right attitude, the right mental attitude, just thinking mentally correctly about it will bring any divine promise to pass. 
Amen. So it's very important how you think about yourself, about the word, about its promises, about your future, about who you are. Come on now. So you said, but, but of course, we often go by our feelings rather than by what God said. So Brother Adam tells us, and what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? He said, see, it's your faith, never your feeling. Remember, Sarah would believe God, and it would be imputed to him. And Abraham believed God, and Sarah believed God when she judged him faithful. But Abraham believed God, and it was imputed as righteousness. So you see, it's your faith, never your feelings. It is never whether it is so or if my hand isn't straight. You know, that doesn't have one thing to do with it. So it's not what we see. It's what God's word said. You see, what you're seeing is affecting your feelings and then your feelings tries to affect your faith. Your faith is not to go by feelings. Your faith is going by the word of God, not how you feel. So now, he said right before us, we see the image of a perfect healed person by faith. And then we just make step by step until you step right into that person and just walk right on with it. There you are. That's what does it. Your faith, not your feelings. Your faith does it. Amen. Amen. So your faith is what does it. You look, you've got to envision yourself as completely whole. That's the same thing. Whether it's a marriage issue, you've got to look at that and say, but God said I could have a healthy marriage. Amen. He, 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 he said it's a mystery. And it's revealed to me that I can have a healthy marriage. So I see before me a healthy marriage. And hand in hand, my wife and I or me and my husband are going to walk toward that. We're going to achieve that. I say that because, you know, I was married for 45 years and would have a wife on her deathbed that would say, I have no regrets. And then I could look at her and say, I have no regrets. It's possible. But it's not dependent on your feelings. Because feelings will lie to you. It is never your feelings, Brother Branham said, it's your faith. What did God say? You see, every one of you must take and put before you whatever need it is. You can say it's healing or it's my marriage, it's my children or it's this or that. Put it before you. It's completely whole. Amen. If it's the rapture you're looking toward and say, could I, could I ever be good enough? Could I ever make it? Is it even possible that I could be there? Put it before you. He said there would be a rapture. I'll be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. I don't know how, like Sarah could not explain. How in the world is a 90-year-old going to give birth and have the strength to tend to a child? I don't know. There's a lot of things you don't have the answer to and maybe you don't feel like it. But God's word is telling you, don't go by your feelings. 
Amen. It's never your feeling. It's by your faith. Remember, it was Isaac that, uh, that showed us a, a valuable lesson. In, in, he was blind in his old age. And so come time to give the blessing to his son. So what they do, they, they put uh, the clothes of Esau on Jacob and goat hair upon his arms. And, you know, um, his, he, he could hear and he said, sounds like Jacob. You know, who are you? You know, and it sounds like Jacob. And, and he reaches and he feels and, and smells and it's of the earth. And, you know, this, is, this smells like Esau. And, and he goes and he feels of him, feels of his arms with the goat skin on him and said, you know, he must have been pretty hairy. See, amen. Rub a goat and think you're rubbing your boy. He must have been pretty hairy. But anyway, he reaches and feels of him and his feelings deceived him. Are you with me? Amen. Now, your, your five senses will always deceive you because they were not given to you by God to lead you. You have been given faith to lead you. And if you're a believer, you know, then he gave you faith for we, the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight. The first thing after prayer, we find out if we still feel the same way. We get prayed for and we go back to, well, that still hurts. But if it's a true revelation of faith, you may feel just as bad as you always did before prayer. But if you caught the vision of a perfectly healed person, then you no longer believe what your feelings are saying. You know, ask Sister Lana, after running around the aisles that day when her lungs were full of cancer, and she felt, you know, uh, you know, she was back in the mezzanine there and there as we began to sing glory to his name. What have I to dread? What I have to fear? And she stepped out there acting upon that and began to dance and run around this whole church. You remember it. Amen. But afterwards, she still felt as just as weak and sick as ever. Amen. In fact, it took some days for her feelings to catch up with what God had done. Amen. Just remember, it may take a little while for your feelings to catch up with what God did, but you believe what God's word said, even when your feelings are declaring something different. You can ask Brother Ron Spencer, who suffered a burn, was to declared brain dead. They were about to harvest his organs. They had just a couple more hours left, and they were going to take his organs because he was organ donor. And after, after prayer, I'll never forget walking into that room that day again as an intercessor. Walking in there, I felt like I was a, if I ever felt like a high priest, I felt like one then because I felt like I was carrying all the prayers of all the saints around the world into that room. Amen. I looked at him and what my eyes saw was horrible. What my eyes saw was machines and a burned man that I could scarcely recognize that was, that, that was you know, that was in a horrible condition, gasping for his breath. 
And I walked in and I said to him, I have not come to anoint you for death. I have come to anoint you for life. Hallelujah. He would raise up from there. Incredible. That's been 15, 16, 17 years ago now. And after prayer, he would raise up from there, but he would suffer untold misery for months afterwards. He would have to press through his feelings that were now lying to him. Do you hear me? I said his feelings were now lying. Because once you take what God's word said, then your feelings become lies. Are you understanding? Oh, they're not lying before. They're real. But the moment you take God's word, amen, then you have to declare every man's word a lie and God is true. Hallelujah. That doesn't matter if it's a habit you're dealing with, if it's a problem at your home or whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's a cloud hanging over you from lies that have been told. You, you know, you quit going by your feelings when you take what God's word said. And he had to press through those feelings that were now lying to him and press into a healed body. He's still pressing. Amen. Now, cancer has come down on him. He was supposed to have been dead. I was just going back in my mind here the other day. I was out at the, at the lake house where I met him. My own wife was laying in, in the ICU room and just came through brain surgery after having a, a brain bleed. And they relieved the pressure of the, of the, the bleed off of her brain and and. and I get a notice, Brother Ron has went to the pulpit very weak, very sick, and he has preached, you know, about those who said many times, even in Brother Brandon's meeting, would drive 17 hours, 17 hours to a meeting to get prayed for. He got back home and he began to think, he began to think, who's 17 hours away? Well, that's Tim Pruitt. Well, you know, I just preached something and I've got to put that into action. You know, I, 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 know the, I know God is speaking to me and he gets there and he calls and he wants to come and I got a wife that's laying in the, in the ICU. I've got situations that are going on. You know, honestly, I don't even feel like a man of faith. I'm in, I'm in a huge battle. I, I don't even feel me pray for you. I, I've got needs right here. I, I don't even know how I can even take loose and even, you know, get, a, get away and have a moment with you. I, I don't even know how to do that. And you know, I finally figured out a way and I said, come on, I'll meet you. I met him there out at the lake house. Huh. He didn't want to wait. He didn't want to wait for a day. He didn't want to wait for me to give him scriptures and, you know, talk faith to him and build him up before I prayed for him. He didn't want none of that. He said, I want you to pray for me right now. We there gathered in the, in the room there and began to pray and the Holy Spirit dropped down and the, the Spirit of God was moving and we had, we had a young boy there that, that came uh, 
uh, with them, which was uh, a nephew by marriage, and, and uh, he didn't have the Holy Ghost, and the power of God fell on him and filled him with the Holy Ghost, and Luke said, I, I want it too, and Andrew said, don't leave me out, God, I've got to have it too, and, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and so, you know, we had prayer with him and whatever. He, and he, he would tell me later, he said, I went back home feeling as sick as ever. But he said, I, from that day, strength is coming to me and I've not missed a day's work. Going out with my boys, and he handled big, big wheels and heavy, heavy things that he has to throw and lead and, and throw. I've not missed a day's work because of it. Amen. Now we we're talking about feelings. If you went by his feelings, but he wasn't going by his feelings. He was going by his faith. Amen. Now. Things, you don't go by your sight. If things may be looking worse than ever, more problems than ever, you know, it's a greater issue than ever. I've tried this before and I can't do it. I know I, I, you, you don't look at none of that. You look at one thing, that's the promise of God. You look toward that perfectly healed person and step by step you walk into that. Amen. Now, today, even today, he refuses to listen to his feelings. He's in the pulpit preaching probably right now. Now, healing is the earnest of a new body. At Calvary, Jesus did not redeem the body. His work of redemption was on the soul. He gave us a deposit or down payment on the change of our body and and. And, of course, divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. So God gives us divine healing to show us that one day our bodies will be raised up. But it's only temporal. Because we are under the steel, our bodies are under the curse of the law of sin and death. But that's all about to change. We're living at the very end, the end of time, the end of dispensations. And it's about to change. This is the dispensation, as the Bible called it, the dispensation of the fullness of time. So God's not only making your mind new, God's going to make your body new. And let me just tell you, even the Bible has become a new book. Talk about renewing and our mind toward the Scripture. It's got to be renewed to see things as God, what God's perfect will, his design, his plan of redemption is. So God's not only making your mind new, but he'll make your body new. And Then he takes the Bible, makes the Bible a new book. No, and I want to get this. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm laboring over this too much. I don't know. But, you know, it's not something different but it's what's been restored. Re- remember even, even this was, which was happened to Abraham. God had told him, I'm going to give you a promised son. Well, he is only restoring that promise to Abraham. 
He's not making a new promise. Amen. Unbelief has taken it and misdirected it over to Hagar and her child, Ishmael. Unbelief did that and misdirected it and misinterpreted the theology that God was given, the word, the plan, and redesigned its purpose. But God was bringing a message of restoration. And it's important to understand that the Bible has become a new book, not because it's something different, because, but it's a word restored. Thus, it is altogether new to us. Because it hadn't been thought this way since the days of the apostles. See, the appearing of the angel to Abraham and Sarah, which was God as his own messenger, was a man in dust. The son of man, literally son of dust. Where God wrapped himself in dust and walked among men. This is Bible, Genesis 18. It not only brought a renewed promise, but that renewing brought a renewed brought a new meaning to the promise. You see, no longer would would they see Hagar, some denomination, as the mother of the race and her wild offspring as the son, and thus the heir, but they would see the word now in his true light, in God's original light, in his original intentions. And the same has happened for us. We're living in the day of redemption where the Bible tells you in Revelation 5 that the book was closed and was sealed with seven seals. But we're in the day where the seals have been loosed out of the book of redemption so that we again could see its true meaning. The original thought of God, the original will, the perfect will of God. Now, this is what has made the Bible become a new book. Not because there's an addition or a subtraction. That would be wrong. That would be so wrong. Because the word of God cannot be changed. There's no room for a John Smith of some prophet to come and add a book of Mormon. There, you know, it, there's no room for an addition or a subtraction or the changing of it. Are you with me? But the opening up of those truths of the same King James Bible. Amen. God vindicated and proved it over and over again. It works. As Brother Bradham told the people of Phoenix in God's power to transform, he said, since the opening of those seven seals of them angels just beyond the mountain yonder, this, speaking of the Bible, this has become a new book. It is the things that's been hid, is being revealed as God promised in Revelation 10. He would do it. And we are privileged people that God has chosen of the earth that we might see and understand these things, which is not some mythical fleshly mind of a person trying to make it up. It's God's word made manifest, proven that it's right, proven not by science, but by God. That's right. God, as I've said in the message, before the message, God doesn't need anyone to interpret his word. God is his own interpreter. He says it will happen and it happens. He confirms it and that interprets it. 
So again, it's a new book, but not a changed book. And God has given you a, a, a renewing of the truth. Back again, it's a new mindset. Again, so you can know the perfect will of God. What God's plan is for the end time. Notice he said in Feast of the Trumpets, I was about to return here to Jeffersonville and preach those seven seals. And if I ever said anything inspired, it was that. That's where the angel of the Lord met us and the Bible became a new Bible. There it opened up and revealed all the things the reformers and things had left out. It was complete revelation of Jesus Christ, altogether new to us, but perfectly exactly with the Scripture. That the word which, that was the word which has always been. And I was just so inspired and directed. Notice again, altogether new to us. Perfectly exactly with the scripture. You see, we had a lot of misinterpreted theology. Just like Sarah had done. See, it misinterpreted the word. She says, I can't do it. Abraham, you can't, I can't. So go take Hagar, my maid, and bring forth a child, and this will be the child. It was misinterpreted theology. The word of promise got mishandled by the woman, the church. And they began to see it, and even Abraham was looking through those lenses. And he laughs at the promises and says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Let him be the one. So you see, misunderstandings. Brother Branham would tell us in marriage and divorce, he said, we are found in this mess because of misinterpreted theology. That's why you women married the second time and you men because of misinterpreted theology. Because it had been misinterpreted, misapplied, misunderstood are you with me amen but now you you see but now see him through the lens of God's God through the prophetic eye makes the Bible a new and its promises new again it's not a new Bible in the sense God give us something different but it is that we no longer look at it through the lens and the understanding of the denominational system, the reformers, and misinterpreted theology. So now we see it as God's original plan. What was God already doing? What his purpose, his objective was. Now, Paul spoke of this. He said, you know, there was a a closing of the uh, the Jewish dispensation 2,000 years ago. And God would change it from the Jews to the Gentiles. And we, he would give us a whole new covenant. And, and Paul spoke of the blinding of the Jewish people, which when, the, when, the turn, when, when it was turned to the Gentiles, and, and we know we're in the same day, there's a huge blinding that is going on. If you took the, the parable of the, and the prophecy of Sodom, what was it? The angels smote them with blindness that they couldn't see the door. Right? Amen. We're seeing the same thing happen. In the the last church age, it is prophesied to be blind. 
Knowest thou not you're wretched, miserable, blind, poor, naked? You're in a deluded condition. Amen. Your mind is telling you one thing that you're, you're dressed, you're, everything is right, you know, but you, you know, you're naked. Your mind is telling you, I can see, but you don't. Oh, we've, uh, we've really accepted Christ, but the Bible said in Revelation 3.14, they reject him. He's on the outside knocking, trying to get in. Yet they're under delusion. The Bible calls this a strong delusion in the last day. But friends are going to be deluded. God's calling people as friends. Come on. Amen. A relationship where I'm going to tell you everything the Lord says. Everything he said of this last day, I'm going to reveal it. You got to know this. So Paul, Paul would speak of the blinding of the Jewish people when it turned to the Gentiles and it happens again in this last day. We've had now seven church ages, 2,000 years, where God has dealt with Gentiles to get a people out for his namesake. And you come to the last age and it prophesies of a complete blindness, a rejection of Christ as he stands on the outside knocking, wanting entrance. Can you imagine that? His own church, so deluded. Till he says, now their assessment of themselves is different from God's assessment. God's thinking is one, they're thinking is another. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. God, I don't even really need you. So we're not going to have the word to rule over us. Doesn't matter what the Bible says about this or that, we're going to have our own way. We'll live our own lifestyle. We'll conform to the culture of this world and Jesus is going to love us and take us to heaven. That Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. That's Satan. It's the God of this evil age. So you, you again, we come down that, that, uh, that there is complete blindness where that they're standing and where Jesus is standing at their door now, knocking, warning entrance. But I want to say, not all in Laodicea are that way. Hello. Amen. There's a people whose eyes have been opened. Listen, the smoke of delusion from hell described in Revelation 9 it is. It has been removed from our eyes by the eyesight that was promised by the Laodicean message. Amen. And, and once our eyes and understanding is open, then our minds are renewed and we see ourselves clearly as the friend of God to whom he unveils his mysteries. Now, referring to Moses... Paul referred to Moses when he talked about it. He, and Moses went into God's presence. And when he came out, his face just shone with so much of the glory of God, such a brightness that everybody couldn't look on him. You know, it blinded them. And so he actually had to veil his face so they couldn't look on his face. So, and because and, it shone so brightly, it blinded them. Now, Paul uses that, and in 2 Corinthians 3.14, he talks about the Jewish people of that day and the rejection of their Messiah. And he says, but their minds were blinded 
For until this day, the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with Christ. Now, he said Christ does away with the veil, but they're still, they still are looking through this through a veil. And they can't see the glory of God. They can't see the plan. But even today, to this day, watch now. When Moses is read, the Bible itself is read. The veil is on their heart. But watch. It won't always be that way. Because there's coming a renewing for Israel. When God takes his Gentile bride from here, the gospel's going to be turned to the Jews. And it says right here, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So one day they will see who their Messiah was. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. They will weep as if he were their only son that had died. And they will recognize the rejection and why they have went through 2,000 years of bitter, terrible persecution. The Bible said the tribulation of those days will never come again on a people. So that tribulation has not been a mere seven years or three and a half years of tribulation. It's been 2,000 years where the people have been under tribulation because of the rejection of their Messiah. Do you realize the same thing happens to the Gentiles for rejecting their Messiah, the Word of God? Come on, somebody. Amen. The same thing happens. They're going to be thrown into tribulation. Amen. For rejecting Christ and a bride raptured out of here. Come on, there's got to be some friends somewhere that he's letting them in on the mystery, letting them in on the truth, showing them what it is. Somebody with me now? So the same is true now of the Gentiles when they read the Bible. There's a veil upon their hearts. You know what kind of veil? The veil of what Wesley said and Luther said and, 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 and Matthew Henry and, you know, uh, convoluted teachings so when the Bible is read it keeps them from seeing his true meaning but when you turn to the Lord when you see the revealing of the son of man the word the veil then is taken away Amen. You look upon it with an unveiled face. This is why in Revelation chapter 10, he comes and his face is as it were the sun. Says nothing about a veil. It's an unveiled face with the full glory of God, the full word, the full promise. Now, this is the same with Abraham and Sarah. There was a veil of misunderstanding that had to be removed so they could see the hope of their calling. You see, Ishmael, the son of the flesh, would not be heir with Isaac, the son of the supernatural. It just wasn't going to be. And they had to see that. There had to come a dividing time. There had to come a time where it was made known, the seed will not be heir with the shuck. And there would be a pulling away and a separation. And, and, and there God would separate his, his, his child of the promise, Isaac, from that of Ishmael. God's going to do the same thing again. And he's going to do it by rapture. 
And it's a separation time right now where the wheat is being winnowed and winnowed and the, and the, and the chaff is being taken away and there's a purging going on. And in, in doing so, you're getting a renewed mind. You're beginning to see what God's original plan was and his purpose. Things that are to be. Brother Branham talks about some of the misconception. He said, you know, I used to think, or I don't think heaven is a place like my mother used to tell me about. I think the church has grown from that. Well, it used to be where the old timers thought that everybody died, went to heaven, and played a harp, and sat up there on clouds, and they knew there was a place called heaven, but you know, if that was so, the musicians would have it on us all, see? You'd have to learn to play an instrument to make it to heaven. Well, I'm out. But it isn't that kind of place. It isn't playing harps at all. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But he said that was a conception that they had before the fullness of the word came into existence or the opening of the seventh seal, this promise in the age. Then we understand. So you see, it brings a new understanding. And that's why it's a new book. So even the the seven thunder mystery that Brother Branham received is not an addition to the Bible. You see, again, this is when when seven seals have been taken off the book in order that we can receive the complete title and the inheritance to all that Adam lost. So this advances to a day that is different from any other day. This is rapture day. This is a long-awaited time of harvest. This is the going home of the bride. It's been long to hope for. Let me just tell you, the mighty angel is here. The fullness of Christ, the fullness of the Word, the fullness of the Holy Ghost to usher in the fullness of what's been promised. So this is the day the promised Son comes. Amen. Now, can we imagine then that we have something outside the Bible. The message we believe came from the Bible. It is not an addition. It is not something new. It is not something outside of the Bible. You see, Brother Branham was adamant, even way, you know, over and again. The Bible cannot be added to or taken away from. He said, You're new, without our names being removed from the book of life. He tells us that the seals are not something different. Theologians would come to Brother Branham and say, well, with your experiences of prophecy and visions and miracles and all that has happened, said, you can write a, a, a new Bible yourself. He said, I can't. Oh, but you're qualified. I can't. But you met an angel. Now, here's the implication. You met an angel like John Smith did. So you can write a whole new Bible. You can give you a Mormon Bible, you know, a Branham Bible or whatever. And he said, I can't. Because the Bible can't be added to or taken from. There's a curse that goes with it. And curse are the children. Come on, curse for the children who, who, who follows that because they're all under a curse for adding to or taking from. You cannot add to it. 
But oh, with your experience the Lord has given you for his people, you'd be eligible to write a Bible yourself. Your word, if God, if God is manifest, he said, nah, don't that sound good? Yeah, it sounds like a devil talking. Oh, Brother Branham, with your experience, you could become a John Smith. Well, Brother Tim, we, we got a new book. No, uh-uh. I defy that thought. It is the same book that has been reconfirmed and the veil of the seals have been taken off and now we see its contents. Hallelujah. Well, so he would say since the opening of the book are the seals of them angels behind that mountain yonder, this has become a new book. Not a different one, just new. Altogether new from us to us. You know, because again, we are not no longer seeing it through the lens of a denominational system. Through the eyes of some psychologist, theologians, who were never called to interpret the word of God. Is somebody with me? So Brother Branham said, you know, if you add to it, whoever takes one word out of it or add one word to it, your name is taken out. All the curses are added to you. And he said, he passed his Bible and he said, this is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ. And the seven seals had the mystery of it hid of what it was was supposed to be. And, 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 you know, there was a time that he ministered and he said, now, those seven thunders would be something on the backside of the book. But in the, sin, in the spiritual food in due season, he comes to the end of his ministry and he looks back with understanding and he said it was not something outside the Bible. It was not an addition. It was something that, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that wasn't written in the Bible. It, it comes to be known. He can't do that. It isn't something, it's, it's something that's been hid in the Bible. Amen. It's hid. What hid it? What sealed it from us? Misinterpreted theology. Their own mindset. But God came in this day to give you a new mind. A new thinking. To set it straight. To let you know you're the called. You're the chosen. You are ordained to life. You're the friend of God. And I've come here to straighten it all out for you. Because you're living in an age and a world of deception. But I'll tell you what, my bride ain't going to be deceived. She's my friend. And I'm going to show her. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to let her know. Notice. All of this is this, all of this comes down. I want you to get this. Maybe you can write this quotation down. It's from Invisible Union, paragraph 360. Brother Branham says, Lord, the end time is here, and I'm so thankful for this spiritual food, Lord, the spiritual food of the seven seals that was promised to be opened. You say, that'll be something different. No, no. You can't add one word and take it. It's already in there, just hid. It's sealed. How many understands that? 
You say, well, that's a mystery. We'll come forward. Oh, no, it's already writ. You can't add one word to it or take one word from it. It's already in there. It's just got to be revealed in the last days. So John received the revelation from Jesus himself. The Bible is saying in Revelation 1.1, this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he said that, that God gave to him the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass and signified it by his angel and to his servant John. So you see, it would be there that, and that would be things there that God would do for the end time. So John received the book of Revelation from Jesus himself. He even heard the thunders in Revelation 10, and, which were sealed up. And he's, God silenced him and said, don't write it. The early church, I want to say this. Of 2,000 years ago, that early Pentecostal church, in the days of Paul, Peter, James, John, was in no way behind us. They were a word church and they had the fullness of it with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there were things they didn't know. Paul in the early church did not understand there would be seven church ages. They didn't need to know that. They didn't know the book of title oh, with the word of God would soon be closed to the church and its mystery would be sealed with seven seals. They didn't know that yet. This would even, wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be made known until the, the disciples are all gone. And here John's the last one. And he gets a revelation from Jesus Christ of what's going to happen in the future ages. But it, I want to say it was not God who sealed the book. It was not God who closed it up. But what kept the believers from seeing his truth was the work of the Antichrist. And as he rode his horse of power, it started with deception. He became an impersonator. You see, when the first seal was open, there was a white horse and a rider sitting on it with a bow and no arrows. He was an impersonator, and that impersonator soon became a killer, a murderer, murdering all that opposed him with the power of governments behind him to stump out and kill those who held the truth. Wouldn't be long until, until they changed, they changed the, the deity of God into three persons. When it was all through the Bible, here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. It wouldn't be long they would change the formula of baptism. You read this, this is historical. You can go to Britannica, say encyclopedia, they know it's history. It was not the way the apostles did it. Read in the book of Acts. Not one time anywhere throughout all the book of Acts did anyone was ever baptized in titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Every time, every instance. So you see, they would get in there and with the power now, they would, with theologians now arguing and, and they convoluted and the lens became changed. And the eyes became crossed looking through here. And instead of seeing one, they're seeing three. Instead of seeing the correct formula of baptism whereby we must be saved, they change it into titles instead of the name. And so all of these things, in a way, a way then the, the truths 
of the truths, of the mystery truths become hidden down to the ages. And, they, and then they get the power of government behind them, about like they're doing now. We already see it moving. That's why you don't want to stay here in the tribulation. Because that's when Satan will become full king of the earth. But right now, there's still mercy, there's still grace, there's still the power of God unto salvation. Are you with me, church? Amen. So, so again, you know, you can see it already. Things in the move. As I listened to the news today at the big pride celebration there in the White House, our president said, our nation, the United States is a pride nation. He, he absolutely declared us to be Sodom. Well, if he's declaring that we are now Sodom, the leader of the free world who has taken liberty and pushed it to, to where that is a liberty from God and a freedom from God and a freedom from the Bible and pushing it right there with brainwashing our children, born with the knowledge, hey, you don't even have to really teach the little boys that they're boys. They grow up wanting to be a boy. Little girls, that they're little girls, they want to play with dollies. But when you go and you pollute their mind and say you can be anything you want to be and we'll change you and we'll give you drugs and cut off your breasts, little girl, so you can be a boy. She can never be a boy. That's a lie. Amen. He can never be a girl. I don't care how effeminate he is and fingernails and pain and whatever he wants to do and what prissy and, and high heels. You can, he, can never be, he can never be a girl. He's a boy. But you can't dare even say it anymore. Why? Because they're getting ready to snap the trap. That's why we got to get out of here. That's why rapture's got to take place. We're in an evil day. And they started right there with the education, just like in the days, just like in the days of Moses. What they do? Try to destroy the children. Right? Amen. Begin to kill the babies. What did they do in the days of Jesus, just before Jesus come? And, and, and here he's born. Here, here Herod puts out an edict, and what does he do? Kills all the children, trying to get the Messiah. But he couldn't do it. The devil has created a civilization to try to warp the minds of our kids, but he can't do it. God will snatch a bride out of here and take their children with him. But you see, they would start their white horse deception, look like Christ. It wasn't Christ. It's the Antichrist riding. Here he goes from deception. He gets the power of Rome behind him, power of governments, which gets his sword bloody. Now we're going to exterminate. We're going to lock up. We're going to do a council, a council culture. We're going to do everything to destroy anybody. And they wipe out millions. You know, it's horrible. Six million Jews chalked that up against 68 million Christians. 
that has been killed. Next thing you know, he lords it over so tightly till it becomes black as a horse rider changes. And as he goes out to conquer, he's got a weigh scale, a measure of barley for a penny, a measure of wheat for a penny. And here it is. He goes forth now, selling the staff of life. I want to say what Jesus paid for completely and freely. Now you have to, you have to pay a, a can, you know, buy a candle to pray your loved one out of purgatory, which don't even exist. Made up philosophy of man, but you know, it's black. Truth is blocked out. And the things that was paid freely by Christ now becomes charged. Men and women are there on their hands and knees crawling and doing penance and beating themselves and whatever else to take punishments for their sin. When Jesus paid it all. So they even, you know, need a a little more money so they'll, they'll let you buy something to pay your sins ahead. So you can buy, buy a, a, a something in, in order that, that your sins are now paid for for the next three years. So go live it up. Got it paid for. Jesus paid for it. Amen. Come on. Paid for your sins past, present, and future. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't need Mr. Rome. We don't need a pope. To declare us righteous, he declared us righteous. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So here it comes along and now seals it up a little more and closes it up a little more and the book becomes closed more. This truce, this mystery is veiled and sealed away. And now we're under the, the last horse rider to pale. It's neither black nor white. Our red is a mixture of all of them. And here it is, writing in the last day, it's gray, kind of a gray, nothing right, nothing wrong, nothing good, nothing evil. You know, everything, just have it your way, Christianity. And, you know, it begins to ride, and it rides into the, into the tribulation. And Satan will be crowned king of the earth. And they won't call him Satan. They'll call him Jesus. Because the Bible said in Thessalonians, he sits in the temple of God saying he is God. But when you pull the mask off of him and unveil him, it's the devil. It's the deceiver. That old serpent from the beginning, the beguiler. Oh, Brother Tim, this is a message of hate that you're preaching. It's not a message of hate. It's a message of freedom. It's a message that liberates. It's a message that shows you the plan of God and the plan of redemption and identifies you as who you are. No, the early church would not know this. It would, it would, God would hold it a mystery. But now the devil is exposed, and that's why he's howling. Because we now have the original gospel that Paul preached. Until at his death, think of this. 
Brother Branham would have an experience in 1960 going beyond the curtain of time. He is told this is going to be when you are gathered with your people or when you die. Like the prophets were gathered with their people. Well, when they were gathered with their people, it was their death. This, this is, I'm, I'm showing you what it's going to be when you die. So on December 24th, 1965, when he enters in there, this happens. And he's gathered over there with, the, with his people. Come on. And when he does, what happens is, you know, he said, well, you know, he don't understand because he, in this 1960, he comes there as a mortal. And now he's, he's asking them, what's going to happen? You know, well, you know, uh, well, you know, do you eat? No. Do you sleep? No, we don't require that in these bodies. These are theophanies. But one day we'll go back to earth and we'll pick up our bodies again. And then we will be judged for what, what we did with the word. And he said, will Paul have to be judged? He said, yeah. They said, yeah, he'll have to be judged too. And he said, well, I'm so glad. I'm glad I'm not the only one judged. I'm glad Paul will because what I've done is preach what Paul preached. Amen. He can say that at the end of his ministry. Not, I preached something different. I made an addition I went further than old Paul. No, he would say, I preached what he preached. And heaven said, come on. The saints on the other side said, we're resting on that. We know that and we're resting on that. That's what I'm resting on this morning is that we've got the same gospel, the same word, and it's brought us a renewed mind, a renewed thinking. Let's stand our feet. Let's worship God together. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad today you have preached and you've received that message? What Paul preached, that God still vindicates that same word. Hallelujah. Not a different gospel, not a new gospel, but the same gospel, the same Jesus, and he still heals, and he still delivers, and he still fills with the Holy Ghost. He still moves on hearts of men and women. He's the same in every detail. Except now he's using your body and my body. And you're overcoming as he did. What a mighty God we serve today, church. What a wonderful Savior. Let's love him with all our hearts. Amen. Say, Lord, thank you for the renewing of my mind. You're transforming me, Lord, into your image. Maybe I'm not what I ought to be. Maybe no, I'm not what I want to be, but before me, there's being held by the ministry. Amen. A perfectly healed, perfect bride of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking another step today. And another step today. And another step tomorrow. Until I step into that. I may not be everything I want to be, desire to be. But I'm going to be everything he said I'd be. Amen. If I'm sick, I'm going to look at a perfectly healed person. And I'm taking another step toward that. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going by my feelings. My feeling says this. But your word says, I heal all diseases. I'm not looking at that habit or how long it's been or that addiction or how long it's had. One moment in his presence. And I'm taking a step toward that. Amen. The God.
God who forgives my sin will sanctify and cleanse me from every habit of the world. Make me a new creation in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say, Lord, change my thinking today that I might see that good and perfect will of God. I need you, Lord. I need you. Could I have you bow your head just a moment? You're in his presence this morning. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe you've had a mindset that conformed to this world and this thinking. Hollywood will put every kind of ad out there to get you to think, oh, this is cute or this is cool. You know, the filthiness of this world, it's culture. Don't be conformed to its culture. Amen. If you're black, you got to overcome black culture. If you're white, you got to overcome white culture. If you're Hispanic, you got to overcome Hispanic. We're not of this world. Amen. I'll tell you this day, the Holy Spirit can put your foot on that American spirit. Hallelujah. Where you're no longer conformed to this world or the things of it. But the Word of God begins to speak volumes to you. It's new. You're new in His presence. Won't you just ask Him right now? Say, Lord, anything in me that ain't like you. Maybe I picked it up from my parents. Picked it up. I can't trust any preacher. I've got to examine everything they say until you don't even have confidence in a pastor won't come to church. Sit out somewhere streaming this and that. Shame on you. God called ministers. God called ministers. You're going to give an account to God. You will. As I will. I want you to just ask God right now, Lord, give me a new mindset. Give me a new mindset. Give me a new mindset. Change my thinking, Lord. Change my heart. Change my heart and thus change my thinking. Change my heart about my marriage. God wants you to have a healthy marriage. He wants you to have a holy home. Yeah, a holy home. Walking in holiness and purity. God wants you to have a holy life. He don't want you in pornography and sins of the world. No, that's not what God wants. If you get a renewed mind, you'll look at that and that's vomit. It's trash. It's filth. It's not desirable. You realize that thing sells her body or his body to anybody in the world. Vileness and evil. That's all that comes out of it. Heartbreak. Divorce. Get a right thinking. Amen. When you look on it and you pull it through the filter of God's word, it gives a holy man's taste. You, you want the things of God. Lord, I want purity in my home. I want purity in my life. Purity in my marriage. I don't want to bring the filth of this world and then I want you, Lord. I want a dedicated, consecrated life to you, Lord. That's what I want. And today in your presence, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. 
I'm not going to stand on the outside and just let him keep knocking. He knocks on your door right now. Don't reject him. Open it up. Say, Lord, open me to you right now, Lord. Change my heart, oh God. Change my thinking. Can you imagine we have young men growing up? They're thinking, oh, I want to be wealthy. I know how I can do it. I'll be a drug head. I'll be a, I'll be a dope peddler. I'll, I'll, I'll be one. You know, they make the big money. They're whatever. And destroy lives with it. You need a new thinking. New heart. God give you a new heart and a new thinking. Drugs, alcohol, filth, sex sins, everything. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. He could change 90-year-old Sarah and Abraham 100, cause them to bring forth the promised son. He can change you and you can bring forth Christ, the promised son, out of your life. Christ can be in your marriage. He can be in your home. Would you today turn to him with all your heart? Just ask him, Lord, change me in your presence. Change my thinking. Give me the right thinking. A renewed mind. And the only way that can be is him make a new creation out of you. And as a new creature, you're not a sinner anymore. Things of the world don't attract you. Got a new appetite, new desires, new longing. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you just need a healing right there in your mind, maybe from your childhood. Boy, where you come down through and hurts in the past. Let them go. That's not who you are. That don't define you. Let the Word of God define you. Your son I love. Your daughter I love. Let God pour His love out on you. Let Him show you. His realities. Say, give me a new mind, Lord, a new thinking. Well, I realize I've got a friend that laid down his life for me. That's a true friend. And you're trying to reveal to me that I've got a different purpose for your life than you to be destroyed in this world. Amen. Those children come to be prayed for in preparation for baptism. Let them walk down here. But I'm going to give an opportunity. If there's anybody else in the building this morning, you realize you need a change you need something to happen in your life I want you to come too while I pray for these young people amen these are young children brother Bradham told us to to baptize them if they're old enough to ask want to be then baptize them they're young oh Drew boy you're going to be baptized too God bless you son I held a little Jesse in my arms a while ago and Brother Buzzbozy from Uganda. Brother Buzzbozy from Uganda said, Is that your grandson? I said, No, that's my grandnephew. We're proud of him, little Jesse. But here is a grandson. He wants to be baptized. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, too. Here's Mariah. She wants to be baptized. 
wants to take on the name of the Lord. Here's Elijah and Malachi. You don't want to be baptized, right? Come right here. Your parents have talked to you and explained to you the importance of being baptized. It's not to be an adult or as a growing up trade. It's to take on the name of Jesus. Now, they may be young and maybe not experience sin. You say, Brother Tim, this is futile. Hey, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was five. I never took it back. God can surely deal with these. I've seen them moved on by the Holy Ghost. He's going to do it today again. Amen. We have Zoe and, and her mother did a beautiful thing up here and put an applique on the wall for me of Acts 2.38 where we're going to baptize today. This is eternal prescription. When they said, men and brethren, what must we do? He said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. As you can see, it comes right up to the doorway. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And there where I'm, right there in front of the baptistry, they wrote these eternal words and eternal prescription. Repent. That's what the world needs to do. Forsake your thinking. Forsake your own ideas. Turn away from it. Repent. And then be baptized. Be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the person of Christ. That's not an anointing. That's not a jump. That's not a dance. That's the person. That's what's promised in this age. It's our restoration. Father, I bless these young people. As I lay my hands upon each one of them, I ask, Lord, as they will go to the water and I baptize them in your name. Lord, that today will be a day of change. Lord, as they dedicate their lives to you, Lord, may they do as I did, never take it back. Oh, yes, I had stumbles along the way. But Lord, I, your grace pulled me through until you filled me with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these young people, Father. I pray, God, that you bless these children, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you, as you call them, that you will have ordained them to life. May they rise calling on the name of the Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Now y'all go to to get prepared for that. Amen. Anybody else need a touch from the Lord today? Maybe a cleansing. Died of some habit. Some situation. I'm throwing the head. All the Father has given me will come. You're not here by accident. Amen. God's ordained this moment. He said you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I've ordained you. That you might bring forth fruit. And that fruit won't go away. It'll remain. You'll always produce the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
Christian son. Amen. Let me pray with this young man. Anybody else as we pray?
Wow. We've seen the Holy Spirit move on this little young lady here. The Holy Spirit just deal with her little heart. It's been so wonderful to see God move on our young people and even with even little children. But Jesus said, you know, bless the little children. Let them come to me for such is the kingdom of God. So we're obeying him today as this little one comes to the Lord. Little Mariah, we pray for you down there, but I want to bring you here to the Lord right now. And, and I want to thank the Lord for your little life and your desire to serve Jesus. And today, you know, I've come to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord. He sent me as uh, his disciple to preach the gospel and ordained me preach the gospel to all the world and, and uh, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my little sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, Drew. You're next, Drew. Come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good to us? The Bible said that our offspring will be mighty in the land. So we believe that for our young people, for our children, the promises unto us and to our children and to them that are far off and even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I'm glad that God calls these little ones there and touches their little hearts. And Drew's little heart has been touched. He's been wanting to be baptized. So he's coming today. Just turn right around, Bubba. Right up there. And what I want you to do is I want you to hold right here on your nose. Right. Put your other hand right there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, my God has done so many things for this young man and blessed him in so many ways. He's wanted to be baptized uh, for some times now, and he's asked the Lord to come in his heart, and he wants to follow him today in water baptism. Drew, the Lord Jesus sent me to preach the gospel, to baptize those who believe on him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So in obedience to that, divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Go right ahead. Grab that back here. Okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. So who we got now? Malachi? Or is it Elijah ready? Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Fine little Pruitt boy here. Amen. The Lord's blessed us with these young men, and we thank the Lord for them dealing with their hearts and them wanting to follow the Lord in water baptism. Say, well, Brother Tim, what, what will happen when they get older and maybe they don't really remember this moment or what it was all about? Well, we just baptize them again when they come to that. That's, you know, the Bible tells us that we do this in the answer of a good conscience toward God. So today, you know, this, this young man wants to take on the Lord and water baptism, obey in God's word, and he wants to be a Christian. I think that's a great thing. Our young, young children here will want to be Christians. 
So he has, he gives his, has given his heart to the Lord and wants to take on the name of the Lord Jesus. My little brother, the Lord sent me to preach his gospel. For 52 years, I've preached the gospel with all my heart. Now I'm 53, actually. Baptized many in his name. Preached the gospel around the world as he commissioned me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Those that would believe to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, buddy. Elijah, right? Yep, Elijah's coming. Praise the Lord. Elijah. You know, Elijah means my God is Jehovah. <laughs> I've always loved that name. Always wanted, since a child, Lord, I want you to be my God. My God is Jehovah. This is the desire of this young man here today. He wants his God to be Jehovah. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New and so today, as the Lord has ordained me to go into all the world, preach the gospel, that to baptize those who believed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lovely day. By love divine, glory, glory, I smile, I now I have 